it tells us in Romans chapter 5, starting at verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man, and death through sin, and so death spread all to spread spread to all men because of all sin. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Let us pray and ask the Lord to help us uh, with these verses here today. I have the Father, Lord, we thank you, Lord, again, Lord, for allowing us, Lord, to be back in your word. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to go before us right now, Lord, that your word, Lord, penetrates, Lord, the heart at this time. The heart of the heart, Lord. Lord, let your word, Lord, soften our heart today. That all of us in this room can receive your word, Lord, gratefully. So, Lord, we ask you, Lord, to be with us right now. Give me the power. Give me the strength, Lord. Give me the wisdom to preach your word faithfully. I need your help this morning, Lord. I need your help. So, Lord, help us all, Lord. Receive your word and your truth. Lord, a lot of times we try to find the answers to so many things in life. And we look far. And we look for different Avenues, Lord, to be able to find that help. But Lord, your word is the word. Your word is where the true help comes from. So Lord, we ask you, Lord, to allow us, Lord, not to try to be consumed by the things in this world, but Lord, but be consumed by your word. That your word answers the, the questions of man. Your word, Lord, is the what you have given to us, Lord, to live by. So, Lord, let us, Lord, receive your word and cherish your word at this time. In Christ, let me pray. Amen. I always imagine if I was in the Garden of Eden. I said, what would it be like being good friends with a lion or a cheetah or a leopard? And that would be fun, being friends with a lion, a leopard, or a cheetah. The most violent animal whatsoever we've been in the garden with. Last night I was watching videos late at night. I, I don't know if y'all are like me. Sometime I watch some unique, weird videos. And, and so for me, when I was out hunting, I always thought these sounds what I was hearing was owls. Ooh, ooh. I thought it would sound like an owl. But come to find out, though, is that the sound was very similar to certain sounds coyotes make. And over time, the coyotes are making these noises. And so last night, I just started looking up all these videos on coyotes at night, making all these noises, right? But also look at how they're carrying packs, and they are trying to come together to try to find any animal they can find to devour. So going back to my inquiring on for me being in the Garden of Eden, if I can just rub, right, this certain animal on the head, this certain uh, lion, a cheetah, it had been an amazing sight. But come to find out, though, is that something went wrong. Uh, what if I try to put my hand in the lion's mouth? What would happen now? It would eat my hand. What if I try to put my hand in the cheetah mouth? Right. And so what happened was that when sin came into the world, the animals at first were Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were just sitting around the garden with the animals. The lion wasn't trying to attack them. 
The pit bulls wasn't trying to attack them. Everything right there was under submission to Adam and Eve and ultimately to the Lord. That it was no pain, no sickness, no death. Even for us right now as we mourn the news of our sister passing away. Something went wrong, family. Something went wrong that now death is coming to this world. Pain coming to this world. Anxiety. Depression. Like all these things come. But were they in the garden at first? No. In the garden with no depression. When God created everything and everything was good. No pain, no death, no divorce. Like everything was so good in the garden. But when Adam and Eve sinned, everything turned upside down. The animals started to attack each other. Our body and our health started to decline. The work of man became harder and harder. I mean, everything was affected when sin came into the world. So our test today is going to kind of get to the root of this. It's going to get to the root of life. Why did God allow that to happen? Why did God allow the animals now to turn against everybody? Why did God allow death to come? Because we think about it that we always talk about how Satan is this, Satan is this. But Satan's power is limited. Satan only can do what God allows Satan to do. That's the power of God. But you ask the question, though, today we're going to talk about it, that why, did God, why does God allow these things to take place? How are we going to do it today? We're going to do it today in three points today. Um, the first one is going to be in verse um, point number one. Sin came into the world through Adam, verse 12. Point two, sin existed before the Mosaic law was given in point Two, verse 13. And the last one we're going to deal with, all have sinned with and without the law in verse 14. Again, we are in Romans chapter 5 at this time. So jump into point one with me. Sin came into the world through Adam in verse 12. Paul starts off verse 12 with the word therefore. Paul used the word therefore again. He's alluding to something that have came beforehand. You might ask yourself the question. I broke my leg, therefore I didn't go to work. Why you didn't go to work? Because you broke your leg. Okay? I'm walking down the highway. Alright, I mean somebody say, I ran out of gas, therefore I'm walking on the side of the highway. It's always something that happened beforehand. So Paul in the previous verses. He talked about something beforehand. He talked about a couple of things. What one of the things he talked about was Paul said, "Rejoice, rejoice is right. Celebrate, celebrate what we have in Christ. We get to see God's glory. We get to suffer, but God will keep us by His Spirit. We get reconciliation. That not only we get to come to the house with God, right? We are united with God forevermore." We're not enemies, or we're not just saying, hey, we're good, we're cool. We also have been reconciled with each other. So Paul is saying, therefore, in verse 12, pointing back to now that we can rejoice of the things that we have in God. 
There's certain promises for those that believe that we see. That Jesus forever we get. We don't get God's wrath. Paul in chapter 1 mentioned that he is not ashamed of the gospel. He's not ashamed because what he has in Jesus is better than what the world have offered to offer us. But Paul is not ashamed of Jesus. He's not ashamed. Because what Jesus has given to him, they have everything in Christ. Why be ashamed? But you want to tell the world about it. Have you ever received something in life that you get so excited about? You want to tell everybody about it? Something you received? For example, yesterday, my son, Mark, he had a basketball game. And for me, an impatient parent, right? And my boy, you know, he, we've been pressing with his left hand and right hand. And the whole game played with his left hand. And he was just throwing them dimes. He had about seven assists, seven points. He had points. And so for me, people are calling me up on the phone talking about other things. I said, I don't want to hear that. I want to tell you about Mark today. When I walked in church this morning, the first thing I told Jacob, hey, what my son did today. I was so excited to tell everybody that my son had the greatest basketball game of his career. It was good news for me. It was amazing news for me knowing what my son done. It's hard to hold in good news, isn't it? You want to share it. You want others to join in with you with it. Well, Paul is the same way. Paul knows that what he gets in Jesus is better than scoring seven points and seven assists. So Paul is I'm not ashamed that people may mock me. I may get arrested. That I'm not afraid to come to Rome because what Jesus has given to me, the world cannot give to me. Jesus gave me something that can never be taken away, that I get reconciliation in Jesus forevermore. But Jesus meets my needs. Not a wife or a spouse, right? I, I love my wife to death. I got the best wife in the world. But ultimately, Jesus meets my needs. It's Jesus. Because sometimes my wife is going to fail me sometimes. Sometimes I'm going to fail her in friendships. Sometimes you're going to fail each other. But one thing so amazing about Jesus is that he's different from the relationships in this world, that he would never fail us. And one thing about it is that Jesus doesn't shut down when he's mad at us, but Jesus comes in by his grace and he loves us even more. Amen. That's the beautiful thing about Jesus. So Paul is just telling us here is that I'm not ashamed of Jesus. I'm not ashamed of Jesus because what Jesus has given to us. So that's what Paul has been talking about from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 5. That for those that are in Christ, right, they get Jesus. They get his righteousness. But for those that have sinned, they get his wrath. So now he uses therefore to transition to another reason that we are assured in Christ forevermore. You think about somebody that might receive something. Uh, uh, they might say you have a lifetime supply of, uh, of to go to Planet Fitness, or you have a lifetime supply of Chick Fil A. You know, somebody might go to a, a, a NBA basketball game and shoot a shot from half court, and they say if you hit this shot, you have a lifetime supply to go to Chick Fil A or Burger King. You are assured that if you hit this shot, you are assured to receive this forevermore. So somebody hit the shot. And now they can pull up a Chick-fil-A or Burger King with a certain car and they can get whatever they want to get. Paul is saying something very similar. For those who believe in Christ, they are assured it's a lifetime warranty. 
They are insured in Christ. All right. <laughs> they are assured. It's a little something me and Greg been talking about. They are assured in Christ forevermore. So for us that are in Christ, that it's not like the assurance is going to get cut off, right? It's that for those that believe by faith, we get this forevermore. There's nothing that can separate it from his hand. Not anything bad that you can do, that you do. Because Jesus Christ, his goodness, have bore all the bad that you do, that you have done in the past, and doing the present and forevermore. All of it is nailed to the cross. You bear it no more. So Paul is now transitioned now. Now, let me encourage you more why this assurance is in Christ. It said, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all have sinned. Sin came into the world through one man, which is Adam. Death came through sin and death spread to everyone. This is just not physical death, but this death is all mankind relationship with the creator. When mankind sinned, they couldn't approach God anymore. You remember when God, when Adam and Eve sinned against God in the garden, for at that moment, the relationship walking with God now, now it was separated at the moment because sin came. Because sin is a transgression of the law of God. So when Adam broke God's law, he represented all of us. Y'all know somebody like in class, right? You guys was in school. And somebody messed up in class. They were talking too much in class. They threw a spitball or something bad. They did something bad in class. And the whole class got punished. Like you couldn't go on the playground. You couldn't do these certain things. You were like to the teacher, hey, that's not fair. You should be able to take it out on him. That was Mark. That was Day Day that did that. That should be all of us. So you would tell your teacher, that's not fair that they did this in the class. Well, in a similar way here, is that when Adam sinned, he represented all of us. Some of y'all are like, hey, Adam ate from that tree in the garden. Eve. That ain't got nothing to do with us. But the scriptures tell us different. The scriptures that Adam represented all of us. So all stand guilty because of sin. One person described Adam in this way. Listen to this. The effects of the fall of a man were not limited to Adam and Eve alone. The poison which penetrated into the heart of the federal head of humanity infected not only Adam, but all of his posterity. The deadly poison was not contained in the forbidden fruit, but rather originated in the heart that took hold of it. Once the father of humanity fell, so fell all humanity. Though Adam died, the poison of spiritual death remained in Adam's seed. Consequently, the law, which was able to justify and provide life, brought death and condemnation upon all those legally united to Adam. For in Adam all died. Thus the children of God are now the children of the devil. Satan is the father of lies of all those who speak lies. One person says this. So Adam represented all of us. Let me give another example. If a person on a football team, if they don't play good defense and the other team score, not only does that player who played poor defense lose, but the entire team lose because this person didn't play good defense. So one player mistake on the team affects everybody on the team. 
Is that how it works, Coach O? If a team, a player, doesn't work hard, it can affect the whole team. In the same way what Adam did, it affects it all. And that's why I think we have examples of sports, right? Team sports. That we can get a taste of God's general revelation in that how other people affect all of us. Again, some of us might like, hey, that's not fair. I wasn't in the garden. He chose disobey. Family, that's a festival, festival. Just like my play on the team, a festival, a festival. So sin comes to this world. And two things about sin. We have this passive and active sin. This active sin is that thing that we commit. When we lie, we steal. Adam didn't do that. He didn't tell her, hey, you go lie and steal. We did that on our own. So you have one thing about we commit our own sins, which is active sins. We have passive sins in the way of what Adam and Eve, when they sinned, it affected everybody that came from them, that everyone now, the whole world became corrupt at that particular time. So we have this active and passive sin. So all man can make kind of sin, which brings us to point number two. Sin existed before the Mosaic law was given, verse 13. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Paul goes further with us understanding Adam's sin. That sin existed before Moses gave the law. Sin is the transgression of the law. So it was the law at the time of Adam and Eve. It was the law of obedience. If they obeyed God, Adam and Eve, they would live forever in the garden. You talking about them, and everybody said the fruit upon the tree, I think it was watermelon, right? Because watermelon is the best fruit in the world. The salt and pepper on them. And so Adam and Eve, they disobeyed the Lord in this garden. And they transgressed the law of God. If they would have obeyed him, they would have stayed in the garden forever, have many kids, and the world would be perfect forevermore. But they didn't. They broke God's law because of the covenant God gave to them. God said, you do this, you live. In Genesis 2, 15 and 17. You do this right here, you die, you do this, you live. It's a covenant, a conditional right here. It's conditional. A source from Ligonier says this about this covenant. This covenant of works. God covenant with Adam represents the first of the divine human covenants recorded in scriptures. Typically, we refer to this covenant as the covenant of works or the covenant of creation. Although such terminology is not found in the book of Genesis, when it describes the pre-fall state, the various covenantal elements are, are present. Two in particular are worth noting. First, God promises to, to, to grant eternal life to Adam if he obeys the creator and refrains from eating the fruit of the forbidden tree. We know this to be the case from Romans 5, 12 to 21 we're talking about today. We said that Jesus, the last Adam, secured eternal life for us by his obedience. So Adam and Eve, that if they would obey God, everything would be good. They kept the condition, but they didn't. Also, Hosea 6, 7 talks about this. But like Adam, they transgressed the covenant. They, there they dealt faithless with me. So Adam transgressed the covenant. We learn this also in Romans 2. For all have sinned without the law. 
So even though some receive the law through Moses, right, the Mosaic law, some also receive the law through nature. So, so for those that appear without the law, and who all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For it is not the hearers of the law who are righteous before God, but the doers of the law who will be justified. For when Gentiles who did not have the law by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts, while their conscience also bear witness. And their uh, conflicting thoughts accuse or even accuse them on that day when, according to my gospel, God judges the secrets of man by Christ Jesus. Paul is alluding again is that the Gentiles and the Jews, they both have broken the law. That the law existed before Moses was even born. You know, the Mosaic law, all the laws God gave Moses them, even the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20. The scripture saying is that before the Ten Commandments given, God already gave a law and y'all broke that law. How do we know? You guys remember the story with Cain and Abel? Who killed who? Cain killed Abel. He killed his own brother. And God judged him for that. We saw the issue of Noah getting drunk. God judged him for that. So why is God judging them if they don't have a law? Abraham. All these stories of mankind sinning against God, where did they come from? Because even within their own conscience, even within their own conscience, they know right and wrong. Again, we go to the, to the wilder jungle in Africa. They have never heard the Bible before. And they go out and they hunting all day and all night. They go hunting all day and all night and come to find out that they finally found something to eat then all of a sudden somebody come take it from them. If somebody take it, they're going to want to retaliate on them. Because for them, they were so hard for it. They never heard the Bible. It came from because of their conscience. God has created us in after his what, image and after his likeness. That even for them, they know they were hard and somebody take it from them that's wrong. In the same way, all the way from Adam to Moses, even though the law, the Mosaic law wasn't given, even within the conscience and within nature, people knew right and we knew wrong. So from Adam to Moses, sin existed. It's a perfect world at first. But mankind, when it's sin, corruption came into the world. It brings us to our last point here. All have sinned. With or without the law in verse 14. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. Again, like I just mentioned again, Paul is reiterating this again. Sin existed from Adam to Moses. Not just when Moses got the law, sin existed before then. Even though the sin that mankind made looked different from Adam, they all had transgressed the law. This goes back to point number one that we've been talking about. I talked about how sin came into the world through Adam. How he broke the law, which all stand guilty. So we all have inherited the sinful nature. And this nature we have called is called total depravity. 
Another word we use as word called original sin. Total depravity and original sin, one source says, is that every part of man, his mind, his will, his emotion, and his flesh have been corrupt by the sin. In other words, sin affects all areas of our being, including who we are and what we do. It penetrates to the very core of our being so that everything is tainted by sin. That's why I tell you Romans 3 said, no one is righteous, no not one. That everybody has sin. And then somebody said, well, I just helped this little old lady across the street. I've done a good work. Which it is a good work. Are you walking somebody across the street? But if you did it for what? For self-righteousness? And a lot of time, apart from faith, we're doing things to be able to see what people see. You know, we both upon so people can see what we've done. So Paul gets it is that from the root of mankind, that we all been corrupt. He talks about it in Ephesians 2. So what it said, it said we have what? Um, how was uh, uh, dead in trespasses? It was dead in trespasses. It was dead in dead in our sins. But God has goodness, right? From Genesis to Revelations, from Revelation, is that God is letting us know all throughout the scriptures that hey, we have sin. Another Paul is getting that in Romans 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. Paul is getting that over. He said this so many times now that mankind is sin. It seemed like he's repeating himself. Like a parent, like you have to tell the child over and over again, because the kids are so forgetful. So Paul is telling us over and over again that all have sinned. Romans 3. All have broken the law. He talks about this also in Romans in Romans 1. Romans 3, Romans 4. Now in Romans 5, he talks about it again that mankind is sinned. Paul is giving that giving this to us over and over again to drill it in us to let us see that we all have sinned. Because once we understand we all have sinned. That's when we can appreciate grace. How can we approach Jesus? If God has separated him from us and that we are enemies of him, how can we come to Jesus? Once we understand the bad news, we understand that we all have been corrupt, then we see that how can we come to the throne of God? How can we make it to heaven? It's not possible by our own words. It's not possible by her own efforts. It's not possible. Again, it's like a team right now with a, a minute left in the game. A team is down 100 points. They're losing 101 to 1. It's a minute left. It's not possible to come back. And that's what Paul is trying to see is that, hey, look at the scriptures that it's not possible for you to work yourself to God. Because you have sinned against God. It's not possible. Try your best. You would not make it. You try your best to come back from 100 points down. You would not be able to come back. So Paul is putting us there to be perplexed. It's a reason he's been very thought provocative, uh, provocative right now. Provocative, I said. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so Paul is actually at this time is trying to get everybody to see, hey, you're down. You're down. There's no way you can get back up in this. This is the conclusion he's trying to draw here. 
And you might know the reason why he's doing this. Paul is doing this for Paul to see that now by us coming to the conclusion, conclusion is that the only hope we have now is to call upon Jesus. What sort says this? But the great proof is the scripture about original sin. The whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation asserts this original sin and the disciple of ungodliness of will of all fallen men from Genesis on Genesis 6 3. My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, carnal minded. Again, chapter 5, I mean, chapter 6, verse 5 in Genesis. God saw that every imagination of man's heart was only evil continually. After the terror of the flood, God's verdict on the survival was still the same. Genesis 8, verse 21. I would not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. What about Job 14.4? Who can bring a clean thing out of, of an unclean? Not one. David says this in Psalm 51.5. Behold, I was shaping in iniquity. And in sin did my mother conceive me. Jeremiah 13.23, one source says, can the Ethiopian change his skin or the leper his spot? Then may ye also do good that are accustomed to do evil. Jeremiah 17, 9. The heart of the sequel above all things and desperately wicked. John 3, verse 4 and 5. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And except ye be born again, you cannot... See the kingdom of God. We keep going. Peter tells in Acts 8.23. And the God of the bitterness and the bond of iniquity. Romans 8.7. The carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God. You guys see where I'm going with this? That mankind has sinned. And falls short of God's glory. Those one source of telling us have these certain scriptures. How sin of Adam affects us all. But again, family, but we aren't just guilty of the sin of Adam, but we are also guilty of our own sins. So you might ask yourself about babies. Babies at infancy. You know, little cute babies like Trinity. Amazing babies, little beautiful babies. Well, Trinity has never came, looked at me and said, hey, Daddy, I'm not going to obey you today, even though she's four months old, right? Daddy, I don't care what you say. I ain't cleaning up my room. I never heard her say that at four months old. Have you ever heard a four-month-old look back and just say, hey, I'm not cleaning my room? I've never seen that before. So disobedience that my Trinity is not actually held accountable of. But because of Adam and Eve, it still affects all of man in humanity. And so for Trinity, she needs a savior just like all of us. All of us need a savior. And that's what Paul is getting at in verses 12 to 14. 
Therefore, all of us are guilty. Again, all of us is guilty. Just pause there and think about it. Man, we're guilty. How can we become unguilty before the judge? What, what's your judge's name, Greg? Judge Brown, you go to me. Y'all go to me. Standing before the judge, he has all of these evidence on you. You did this. You did this. You did this. All these things you have. Only thing you do in a courtroom is what? Just put your head down. Man. They got video footage. They got everything. All this, all these things I've done, they got them all on camera, on footage. There's no way out of this. There's no way out of this. That's what Paul is getting at here. Is that God has so much footage here. He see all these things we have done. But God comes in, and we're going to learn about this next week. He comes in, out of all of these things we have on us, he comes in and says, not guilty. Like, what on? what's going on? Not guilty. You were like, man, I, I just pulled out the Draco. Is that what y'all call it here? I just pulled out these certain things. I just pulled out, I did all these bad things that all this evidence is on me. But God said, no, you, you're not guilty because somebody before you came into the courtroom, they took all the charges before you. Somebody took all the charges, all the things you have done that have broken the law, all these things that made you guilty. Somebody came in and said, they done it for you. And now you can go off free. You get freedom now in this. And that's the beautiful thing about the Bible, about the gospel, is that we stand guilty, but Jesus took our place. And you think about all the religions of the world, Muslim, Islam, I mean Islam, Buddhism, all the religions of the world is that for mankind to be able to be before a creator or be before themselves, to be able to say all these good things I've done. But God comes in and said, no, look what Jesus has done for you. That all the bad things you have done, Jesus bore on the cross for himself. It's the good news, y'all. That our sins, we don't bear them anymore. They were placed on his son. Isn't that great news? Isn't that great news is that all the failures that everybody still try to say, I remember you used to do this. I remember you done this yesterday. Jesus comes in and say, I bore it for them. Those charges are not on them anymore. Those charges are on me. And the Father put me to death so they can be free. That's the greatest news ever. That we get freedom. We get not guilty. But we won't understand that. Because if we start understanding that we get freedom and that we get not guilty, then we are thankful for life that Jesus has given to us. Now I'm going to love my wife. I want to love my wife so well. I want to love my kids so well. I want to love you all so well because what Jesus has done for me, how dare I go back and do the same thing over and over? So if Jesus has been so good to me, I should be a really good friend to you. That's why the Christian church, it just so saddens me. For Christians, a lot of times we're more hypocrites than anybody. A lot of times people don't want to come to church because the Christians that come to church. We should be different from the world. We should be the people that people can trust. We should be the ones that people comes in and say, hey, at the end of the day, his word means a lot. At the end of the day, I can trust them on these certain things. A lot of times people don't want to come to us because a lot of times we look just like the world. 
But family, if we know what Jesus has done for us, we're thankful. We're grateful. We're kind people. We're not jerks. We're very kind people. We are people trying to help others around us. If we really taste that grace, because at the end of the day, Jesus didn't have to take your place. He didn't have to. But he did for his father. He did for the father. So Paul encouraged us to live for it. Let me end with a couple of applications. A couple of folks blinking their eyes. That's how I've been up long enough. For application number one. Let us not make an excuse for our sins. We are guilty uh, through Adam. But we're also guilty for our own acts. Family, we all mess up. We all have messed up. Let us be honest. Let's go before the Lord. Number two. The good thing about confessing your sins, there is an advocate that is here to forgive you for all your sin and your unrighteousness. Family, we all mess up, don't we? You can go to Jesus. There is no sin too big for him. His strength is stronger than what you even can imagine. Whatever we have done, we can take it to him. And he's not like a friend or a cousin or a loved one to be able to say, ah, you did this. He doesn't hold those things against us anymore. When he forgives us, we're forgiven forever. He doesn't hold our past. Again, he's different from the people that we know in this world. Ah, I remember you did that. Jesus doesn't hold them against us anymore. So family, I tell you today, confess your sins to Jesus. No matter what the world may say, no matter what the world, the thing that they don't forget, that's fine. But the one that really matters the most is our God in heaven. And he has forgiven us, family. We are free. We are free. We are free. We are free. We are made righteous before God. We're not guilty. Who cares what the man may say? Last thing. Let us be humble before others in the church. Everyone has sinned against God. So let us not think we're better than others. Yes, yeah, some of us might be in the church every day this past year. And somebody might have been a first time being in church today. Family, we're no better than them. Let us not be so self-righteous. Like we are, we are better because we know more about books of the Bible and catechism. Apart from Jesus again, we stand guilty in our sins. So let us be humble people knowing that we have received something that we didn't even earn. What Paul tells in 2 Corinthians, what do you have that you haven't received? Think about that. What do you have that you have received? Everything we have have been received, I mean, have been given to us by our Lord. So let us be humble people. And next week, Lord, what are we going to continue now? We talked about today about sin and how it affects all of us. How Adam was the, the federal head, that Adam represented all of us. But next week, Lord, what are we going to learn about now? Christ is our federal head. He's going to represent all of us now with his righteousness. Let me pray for us, then we're going to disagree. Our Father, God, in heaven, Lord, we thank you for your goodness and mercy, Lord, that you have been so good to us, that you have